Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. You're listening to Theater in College Hoops. I'm Subi alongside me today, Taylor Dammel. I got my guy. He's back. No shark, but we do have Taylor Dammel. We're brought to you by the Barnburner Podcast Network. Make sure to subscribe on whichever device you use. Your College Hooper of the Week this week, Theo Ratliff. Yes, former former big man for Wyoming and NBA player. An absolute legend uh, at Wyoming, by the way. He finished his career leader in block shots, accumulated 425 block shots uh, as a cowboy, and that's a record, I believe, that still stands today. And he was also inducted into the University of Wyoming Athletics Hall of Fame in 2005. Theo Ratliff, I also believe, played for the Detroit Pistons. Breaking news in the aesthetics world of the NBA. The Pistons are bringing back their teal jerseys, which I feel like some people are very polarized on i mean i think they're sick those grant hill teal jerseys i think they're beautiful really nostalgic for me brings back memories of me really diving into the nba and becoming and and falling in love really with the sport i don't know what kind of rabbit hole i went down there but theo ratliff yes he is your college hooper of the week we're brought to you by Royal Digital Marketing, a.k.a. RDM. RDM specializes in website development and digital marketing for small businesses and startups. So if you need a website, contact them at colin at royaldigital.co. That's C-O-L-I-N at royaldigital.co. And make sure to check out the website at theaterandcollegehoops.com. And you can also follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feet is and make sure to follow Taylor at Taylor Damel and the shark at the underscore shark underscore BB. Let's open the curtains. Awesome, awesome, awesome interview lined up for you here. We got assistant coach Mark Rogers from the University of Wyoming. I was incredibly excited to sit down with Mark, mostly because of how fascinating this team Wyoming is. Last year, they were in the play-in game during the tournament, lost to Indiana, but they were originally picked entering last year eighth, eighth in the Mountain West. 
And what ends up happening? They only, I think they finished 25 and nine. I could be selling them short on their, on their wins. I know they only had nine losses, but finished in the top half of the very competitive mountain West, probably the most fun conference all of last year. The, the amount of finishes between teams like San Diego state, Colorado state, UNLV, Fresno state, air force. I don't know if I mentioned Utah state and of course, Wyoming. Now we get into, into all of that last season, of course, the ride for, for Wyoming. And then we get into the nitty gritty of that game, that tournament game against Indiana. It was just a lot of fun. Mark is also one of those rare guys that is just a true, true treat uh, to interview. Okay. That's not throwing any shade to any of the people that I've interviewed in the past, but Mark is just a guy who, I don't know. He's not bashful in his responses. He's very detailed. He's very insightful. He doesn't just give me a three-word answer, which I really appreciated. So, Mark Rogers, thank you so much for jumping on. Let's stop depriving the people of your content, of your insight into Wyoming basketball, and let's jump right to the interview with assistant coach for the Wyoming Cowboys. We got Mark Rogers. All right, we are extremely excited to welcome to the program the assistant coach at the University of Wyoming. We got Mark Rogers in the building. Mark, how's your summer been, man? Thank you for jumping on. Man, thank you guys for having me, man. My summer's going well. You know, putting time in with the guys. Guys have been locked in, getting ready for this season and this long journey we're about to go on starting in October, really September. But um, besides that, just laying low, you know, life in Laramie, prepared and get more prepared for the, what comes next and think we're doing a good job at it and we'll see what comes in the fall I'll tell you what we're so excited and, and happy to have you on I was telling Taylor over here when we were setting this up I was like this dude's one of the rare guys that actually reached out to us and said we were doing a pretty good job he listened to our I, I think you listened to our interview with Ruben Williams last week so we really do appreciate the kind words Mark oh yeah no Ruben man I said um, he's a little bit younger than me but he grew up around the same area I did a little bit and I've known him for a while so when I saw him repost something I listened and I watched and then I end up probably listening and probably listen to about three more episodes that you guys did. And I'm like, man, they're doing pretty good. You guys got some good insight on stuff and you do some good research. So I was like, you know, I'm a podcast guy. So when I hear good ones, I, I let them know if I can. So congratulations on that. You guys do a good job. I, I don't want to put our program down, but you might be one of our top 10 listeners then at this point. <laughs> I know, man. You guys probably got more than you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, we appreciate it, man. So what we want to do is just really rewind it back. And I think the first question we're very curious about is your coaching journey. So, Today it was announced as we're recording this yesterday. If you're listening to it, you were you've you've switched now from director of recruiting to now the assistant coach. Congratulations! Take us back. What's your, this journey been like for you, Mark? Oh man, it's been it's been quick. Probably if you look at it in terms of years, because I'm only 27 years old. You know what I mean? I stopped playing college basketball when I was 22, so it's been about five years. But it's really been a long road. Like I said, the second I got out of college. <clears throat> um, Went straight in training, doing things like that. I was working with my AU program team, Why Not, which was a lot working with when I was uh, doing the grassroots stuff and then training guys back home and kind of bringing some basketball life back to L.A. with the open gym stuff. Met a lot of people, did some networking through that. Ended up uh, getting to Long Beach State under Coach Munson as a grad assistant for a year. Did that with Coach Munson, play with a team with uh, Deshaun Booker, Brian Alberts, who was at Gonzaga, Tim Yusuf and those guys. Did a year there with them as a grad assistant. Ended up leaving. And uh, coaching at Fairfax High School down in LA as an assistant with Reggie Morris, and uh, did him AAU with him for about a year and a half, two years with Team Why Not and the EYBL stuff, and then 
Coach Munson ended up bringing me back and hiring me as an assistant at Long Beach State in the Big West. He brought me back in this time. So during the pandemic year with like uh, Isaiah Washington, who a lot of people knows, um, I had Isaiah there. We were, uh, had a good year that year, a decent year. Ended up losing in the conference tournament to Santa Barbara. And um, following summer, Coach Linder ended up kind of uh, making my way. I can say Coach Linder, I ended up making my way towards Coach Linder out in Wyoming as the director of recruiting last season. And then fast forward to where we are now. And this is how it got here. So over the your playing time, whether it be, you know, AAU, high school, even through college, was there a point where you were like, coaching is my future? Or I know you kind of talked about it a little bit, but was there some time that it just clicked to you that, yeah, this is the path I want to go? Um, You know, when you grow up, you play, you know, certain guys have certain skills. You know what I mean? Some guys are strong. Some guys are fast. Some guys can shoot. Some guys can pass kind of always had just a good feel on the game. And, you know, I've always had coaches kind of tell me that it was easy for them to leave me out there and figure it out in terms of being a quarterback or a coach on the floor. And, um, you know, you hear that your whole life growing up. You know, that was probably always the biggest compliment people probably gave me in terms of my basketball ability. And uh, just as I got older and as I started getting in college, my junior, senior year, you know, I ended up tearing my ACL. So I had a year in which I couldn't really do much could have besides help my team in terms of from a vocal standpoint, you know, from try to help them with some scouting stuff and things like that. So um, during that year, it kind of, you know, came to me and clicked upon me like the ball is going to stop bouncing soon. You got to figure out what's coming next. You know what I mean? And um, I think my dad always kind of prepared me for that. Like you got to kind of prepare for your next plan. And um, during that year, it kind of kind of registered to me like you can be decent at this maybe if you really take the time and study it and play the game right. You know what I mean? It's to play your cards right and things like that. So kind of came up that way. So I would say right around the time I tore my ACL, my going into my senior year, I think it hit me. And then from that point on, I think even that last year as a player of my senior year of college, um, we had a guy, Khalil Shabazz, who's actually the point guard at San Francisco now. Um, I ended up tearing my ACL that year. So Khalil was a freshman at Central Washington. Um, he has a crazy story too, but uh, Khalil was a freshman. And so he was pretty much under me and they didn't have many plans on playing Khalil that year. They were actually thinking about redshirting him, and I got hurt and things, and I was kind of vouching for him like he needs to be the guy we go with, you know what I mean, just because I, I had some equity built being there for four and a half years, and I'm kind of telling my coach, like, Khalil can get it done. And that whole year kind of just coaching him through that whole year, I mean, he ended up being freshman of the year, obviously ended up being able to transfer to Division One San Francisco. He's probably one of the best guards in University of San Francisco history in the last 10 years, you know what I mean? So um, that year it kind of hit me that I think I can do some things. And then, like I said, I started training my guys, working my guys out on my team, just kind of guinea pig in a little bit, you know, test on me. And they let me kind of, you know, when the barber learns, he gives some guys some ball spots, you know what I mean? But they let me work on them for a year and um, things like that. And it progressed. And now I ended up hopping in at Long Beach as a GA and things just continue to move from there. So this isn't really a question more than more so than a statement that I just realized I was at, did you go to your graduation at central Washington? Yes. What year? I was at I was at your graduation, 2018. Really? Yeah. Yeah. One of, yeah. One, one, one of my best buddies, little sisters, who's actually officiating my wedding in September, graduated from Central Washington. And I was actually in Ellensburg uh, for your graduation. You talk about who I wonder who, because that town is so small. You'd be surprised if you end up knowing somebody, see a familiar face, things like that. But that's funny. Yeah. No, yeah. you're at my graduation. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Yeah. Congrats, man. No. Yeah. Just wanted yeah. to. Yeah. Taylor, drop the, the name on the on the complete off chance that Mark uh, somehow crossed paths with this person. Uh, Courtney Wilkinson. 
Rock your brain. <laughs> I'm gonna do some research, look at some names, <laughs> some names. I mean, that town is so small, man. Like I, like I said, I was there for five years, so I, I've, I've had interactions with so many people there. I'm still pretty tied in up there, so that'd be funny. That would be hilarious. I bar hopped through Ellensburg and up in Yakima for a whole weekend there. That's that was an experience. Two different elements out there in Ellensburg and Yakima. Ooh, yeah, yeah, it definitely is. So, so back, go ahead, too. We back to basketball, man. No, 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 no. I love this. It's if you mentioned it's a small town. It's just a small world in general. I mean, right. the, the crazy. No, crisscross over here but seeing you where you're at now tell us a little bit about your day-to-day and your previous role at wyoming obviously on the surface level you see director of recruiting seems pretty straightforward but i'm sure there's some intricacies that you would like to share and then what are some of your roles now uh in your in your new job here on on wyoming staff take us through that right well i mean with director recruiting it sounds like you'd be the one who kind of oversees the recruiting you know, in terms of scheduling or the, the recruiting board and kind of like the plan on where the program is headed. And then that does come with it. Don't get it, don't get me wrong. There's a lot that goes into it with the recruiting stuff, obviously. But for the most part, you know, um, Coach Linder is such a good coach. Like, I don't know if you guys know much about Coach Linder. I'm sure you do. Listen to you guys talk about our team before. Um, he's, in terms of from a scheme standpoint, he's one of the best in college basketball in terms of preparing and preparation. He takes it serious. So, more so, it was more so just a year of learning and focusing on the things that matter to him. You know what I mean? There's a reason why he is as successful as he is, and there's a reason where he is where he is. So learning his ways, learning what matters to him, because what matters to him is the stuff from the bottom up. And so a guy like me who's, you know, towards the bottom of the staff, like the stuff I have to do matters to him. And so, you know, I got to take it serious. And he took took me very serious when he hired me, and he held me accountable all year for the stuff that I did. And um so just in terms of that, like, you know, it, it could be scouting. It could be stuff on the floor with the guys. It could be stuff in terms of recruiting questions. Like, the sky's the limit for what needs to get done. But like I said, there's things in his program that he takes <clears throat> more serious than other guys do. You know what I mean? And then um, he'll put those responsibilities on a young guy like me um, and his assistants and the other guys around the staff to do what you do. You know what I mean? Figure it out. That's one of his best lines is figure it out. You know what I mean? And so – He'll put you in those situations and you got to figure it out. And so that was that was a good thing for me with Coach Linder is that there really was no wall set for what you can and can't do. It's more so how much can you do and can you do it right? And is it detailed? And you know what I mean? A focus on the detail. So as far as specifics, it can go anywhere. So with the recruiting side of things, if you look at Coach Linder, he's actually spent the vast majority of his life in kind of the same general area grew up in denver went to western state coach at weaver state at boise state at northern colorado at wyoming so when it comes to recruiting following someone who is you know the lead of someone who has a vast knowledge of this kind of area of the country that had to be uh, a great learning experience for you can you elaborate on what the recruiting is like in that area of the country yeah, I mean, you know, we're we're kind of in a weird location. We're somewhat the Midwest, you know, we're a little north. We're also a little west. So it's, you know, what I mean, depending on how you look at it, we're in a weird spot. But, you know, Wyoming has always it's not too far from California, not too far from Washington, not too far from Texas, not too far from Chicago. So, you know, there it's not directly close to too much. I mean, obviously, you got Denver two hours away, you know, I think like we're not directly close to too many of your pipelines, but we're halfway to a lot of points and halfway to a lot of places. So just, you know, picking up on the things he knows and learning some, meeting some of the people he, he knows and growing up and things like that. And the people he knows in the basketball community kind of broadened my horizons a little bit. And um, oh, it's been great, man. Like coach Linder, like not only, like I said, he was a junior, junior college coach, so he knows every level, you know what I mean? He gets the game at every level. He knows coaches at every level and he's respected at every level. So just knowing that people at least, 
there's a little bit of respect you get from people when they know you work for Coach Leonard because they know how serious and locked in he is. You know what I mean? He doesn't deal with fluff. He doesn't hire guys who are about their own thing. So, you know, um, it was a big deal for me. It's an honor for me. And like I said, he's one of – whenever my coaching stuff ends, however it goes, he'll be one of the – if not the most – one of the most important people in my basketball career. You know what I mean? He's a, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. The man is – he's severely underrated. And we're right. going to get into your team's – your team from last year. But – to lay it all out for the people that probably don't know this or maybe have forgotten, right? This was your first at-large bid, I think, since 2002, right? right. So you didn't win the, the conference tournament, but your what resume and your play was strong enough that you got an at-large bid. And then this was your first tournament appearance, I think, since 2015. Right. And I think that was the Larry Nance era yeah, sort of team, right? So, I mean, you talk a little bit about where you're able to go, right? California, Chicago, these are not terribly far places tell us a little bit about laramie tell us a little bit about the venue uh in the it, it, it's one of the best home court advantages not only in the country but in the mountain west right i mean like i said you know laramie seventy-two twenty highest altitude in college basketball we have signs that remind people you know we kind of play a mental trick on people and you know half of the battle with the altitude stuff is mental so when it's on people's mind it wears them out pretty fast but you know laramie's a different place man like i said there's no professional teams in wyoming so these people really take pride in this school and this university and our program. And so bringing life back to a town in which, I mean, like I said, last year was my first year here, but when you walk into a grocery store, I think I actually told this story before, and you walk into a grocery store and an older man walks up to you and tells you, you know, man, we haven't been good since my son was a kid. And now his son, which is his grandson, is about six, seven years old. And the most important thing to him right now is Wyoming basketball. He's like, he's the biggest fan in the world. So when you hear that type of stuff, it makes you, you know, feel better and, makes your guys want to go out and put on a show and represent this place. Right. And um, in terms of, like I said, the environment, I mean, it's unreal. Like you come to our games, man. I mean, these fans show up. And when I say show up, like they bring the noise, they bring the energy, they understand basketball. You know what I mean? The fans are supportive. And um, you come out and it might be a little slower day because the winter, you know, days could be a little slower. Campus is kind of flowing slow. It's probably about 20 degrees might be snowing out, might not be, but then all of a sudden at 7.30, you know, we're out in layup lines and boom, and you can hit with that crowd, that noise, that altitude, you know, it'll, it'll shake you up a little bit. And so it's a beautiful thing to see. And I think the more we continue to grow as a program, I think the more support we'll get. You know, it's already overwhelming with how much support we get, but I think it'll keep growing. And I think we're starting to get some national support from people who haven't really been tied into the program in a long time. We're really proud and happy with what these guys are doing and what they built even before I got here and what we're building now. So, um, no, nah, man, Laramie is a different place. Like I said, I always tell people, and um, it's actually one of my guys, Kevin Sweeney, he's a journalist. I was telling him all year, last year, you got to come to a game. You know, he's out in Chicago. He does a lot of Big Ten and Big 12 games. And I'm like, you got to come to a game. And finally, he comes to one of the games, and he's like, I'll be back next year. So, you know, I, I tell people, you got to see it to believe it. But it's a great place, man. I got a lot of love for this place and um, a lot of respect for the town and community. So as a California guy, is the cold of winter the biggest uh, culture shock for you there in Wyoming? You know what? Like I went to school in Ellensburg, you know what I mean? So I went to school in a true, small town. True, true. Right. I mean, I went to school in a small town. I went to school where it snowed. So for me, no. I mean, I'm sure for some people the snow will get you. But like I said, man, like if you're doing it right, you'll be in class. You'll be in the gym. We play an indoor sport. It's 72 degrees in most gyms in America. So once you make it through that parking lot, you should be okay. And so it has its days, but like anything else, you go somewhere else, California, you might get hit. It might be 75, and then you might get shook up with an earthquake in the middle of the day, and you might feel like the world is ending. So it can have, you know, every place has its pros and cons. But like I said, this is a basketball place. This is a basketball decision for me. And from a basketball standpoint, this is a fantastic place. 
it's very clear that you're a natural recruiter. Okay. I'm, I'm ready to, I'm ready to hop up to Laramie. I definitely want to check out a game. There's a lot of venues in the mountain West that I want to take a look at, but it's funny because I'm sitting here like, yeah, let's go to Laramie now. And you were able to do that with three actually good players uh, transfers. I should say, let's focus in on these three big names, Ethan Anderson, Max Agbon Polo, both from USC formerly, and then Jake Kyman from UCLA. The way I'm sort of picturing it, and I'm sure this is off base here, Mark, but keep me honest. I just picture your staff plopping down some lawn chairs in the middle of Los Angeles and being like, you guys want to come up to Laramie? What's the deal here, right? You got three of these really good players coming up to Wyoming, and I think it was like a 48-hour span. That may be even longer than I'm quoting. But I just remember looking at the Twitter threads like, Agbon Polo's going there. Ethan Anderson's going there. Kyman's going there. I'm like, these guys just came into LA and ran it with an iron fist. What was that process like? Yeah, you know what I mean? Coach Leonard did a good job when those guys entered the portal, just really being honest with those guys. Like, you know what I mean? You guys are winners. I mean, Ethan and Max were on an Elite Eight team at USC. Jay Kyman was on a Final Four team. So they come from winning programs. And, you know, we were a winning program last year. You know, you can say what you want. We were 20, 27, 9, 25, and 9, whatever the numbers were. Um, they made the NCAA tournament, lost first round. We made the NCAA tournament, lost first round. And I think they were looking for an opportunity to go somewhere where they can develop, co- be coached, and still win. You know, those guys are used to winning. It's hard to go back to losing. You know, they in a world where most guys were looking for NIL money and things like that in the portal, I think those guys, based on what the conversations were with the other coaches, is that those guys were just looking for a good basketball situation. And the benefit we had is that, you know, it's so funny because you watch our team play last year and there's so much camaraderie and chemistry and people think it's, you know, some people might, it might look fake, you know what I mean? Because it looks like, it almost looks unreal. But I mean, when those guys came on their visit, man, we had guys like our guys on our team recruited those guys. You know what I mean? Like they bought those guys in and they, they told them like, we want you, we need you. Yeah, we won, but we want to win more. You know, that loss to Indiana stung a lot of guys in our locker room and, you know, we know we need depth. You go play those games in March. Like, those are some big boys out in Bloomington, Indiana. You know what I mean? You got to have bodies to be able to go bang with those guys. And I think we have such a mature team where, and selfless team where I think, like, a guy like <clears throat> Hunter Maldonado, who was arguably probably a top five, top ten point guard in college basketball last year, you know, who decided to come back for his extra year when he didn't have to. You know, Maldonado had other decisions and other other things he could have done. You know, when he brings in a guy like Ethan Anderson, who did, who was a starting point guard on an Elite Eight team, and he tells him, like, man, I want to run with you. Like, I want to play with you. I want to – we can be two of the better guards in the country. You know what I mean? That that'll, that that says a lot about this team, this program, these guys. And I think, you know, with guys, even Jeremiah Oden with Max being two wings, he, you know, he pretty much did his whole deal with Max while they were here. So, you know what I mean? I think it's – it's a testimony to who we are as a program and who we are. You know, we didn't ask those guys to, you know, in most situations, guys don't want new guys coming in. You know, these are my minutes. These are my situations. Those guys, our guys aren't scared to compete with those guys for minutes. Those guys aren't scared to come compete for minutes. And when you have an environment like that, a competition, you know, you know what usually comes from that. We'll have 10, 12, 13, 14, 15 guys who can, who can come in and make an impact on the game. And it brings the best out of everybody. So, it was unreal, but like I said, man, like this is a real environment up here. I tell people, even if I didn't work here, like these guys really do it right up here. Coach Leonard and these guys really run this program the right way. It's a real situation. And I think these kids were looking for something real because they just came from a real situation. And um, it sold itself. I mean, Laramie sold itself. You know what I mean? We don't get in the NIL, and we weren't talking about that. Like we were talking basketball, and those guys bought the basketball part, which is what Wyoming, what we have to offer. And uh, that's what they cared about. So, I think Coach Leonard did a great job recruiting those guys. And, you know, what I mean, when when you can say and you look at film and you know a guy who's recruited 
Damian Lillard at Weber State and turned him into what he's turned into. And you look at guys like like Andre Spite and, you know, Jordan Davis and those guys and Jonah Radaball, the guys at Lenders, Graham E.K., who was a two-star coming out of high school, and Hunter Maldonado, who, you know, whose career pretty much changed when Coach Leonard came in. You can look at his body of work and he can sell himself, man. Like Coach Leonard did a good job recruiting those guys. So it was just a it was just a a real situation. Met some real guys and it really worked out. So it worked on our behalf and we're excited to have them. And I think they'll be great additions to our team. Yeah, I think that's really impressive. Not only the, the what you highlighted, if we unpack your response there, highlighting not only that you guys were instrumental, obviously Linder instrumental in bringing these guys up, but Maldonado, Graham E.K., all the current players saying, yeah, let's go. Come run with us. We are, we're not afraid of challenging each other, and we obviously both want the same thing. I thought that was really neat. Hey, do me a favor, though. I did DM. Uh, I hopped into Jake Common's DMs. Uh, a while back when he had said he was transferring. I didn't get him back, though. So this is me now being a little Slytherin slate and being being like, hey, Mark, tell him to check his DMs. Jake Jake is funny, man. So Jake is like a a video game phenom. I don't know how he has this like little fan group or cult or whatever you want to call it that follows him. So there's no telling what he sees in those DMs. He probably misses Jake. He's he's a cool dude. I'm sure when he sees it, he'll be like, oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So I'll definitely reach out to him. That's actually – one of my favorite people in the world, man. I love me some Jake Kyman. So he's a good guy. I'll definitely say something to him. I got you. I I can't even tell you how excited I am for Wyoming basketball right now, by the way. I'm I'm picking them to win. I'm picking you guys to win everything this year. I have the conference, everything. Just, oh, you're, you're, it, just beautiful, beautiful so far. But so you kind of alluded to it, and I know I'm skipping over a few of Terrence's questions here, but since you already brought it up, you know, about you know, making the NCAA tournament at large, playing Indiana, what was uh, selection Sunday like for you guys, and then subsequently preparing for one of the 10, five best programs in college basketball history there? I mean, it's just so tricky, man, because you get in these situations where, you know, you get all the noise. I mean, by the time January hits, I mean, the bubble talks start coming out, you know, or every reporter's making a new bubble list of who's first four in, first four out. You know, January 20th, we beat Boise, Colorado State on our home floor. And people, some people have us as high as a four seed. I mean, we get ranked like hot top 25 in the country, you know, before we take that loss to New Mexico. And, you know, you tell the guys to ignore the noise and you know what I mean? But I mean, let's be real here. I mean, they all have phones. They all have social media. You know what I mean? In a place like this where there's no no professional team, like things were rocking around here. And, you know, these guys are feeling a little bit. So I think when you go in, then, you know, season gets real. You know what I mean? Our conference is one of the best conferences in college basketball. People could try to say, oh, they went 0-4 in the first round with San Diego State Boise. Like, <clears throat> okay, you can say that, that. I can make the counter argument that we all knocked each other's heads around all conference play and went in fatigue into the tournament and kind of got beat. Like any other team in college basketball, everybody had the same schedule as us. But, you know what I mean? You win some, you lose some. It was just a rough, rough draw happens. But I think – when you go through that part of the season where you go beat Colorado State at home, you beat Boise at home, then you lose to San Diego State at a, at a nail biter by a Trey Pulliam floater, and then you go to Colorado State and Chandler Jake, I mean, uh, Jacobs and Roddy hit two big shots, you know, that changed the game. Now you win those two games. Now you're probably a top 15, top 20 team in the country. You're a five seed, six seeds, but you know, you lose one of those games and you go to New Mexico and you lose that game. So now we're on Sunday on Bubble Watch. And, you know, we have, you know, we got the nice outfits on, we got the fans, you know, we got a viewing party and, where are you at? Set the stage, like real details. Where are you so at? We're in this place. I think it's called Westgate. I think that's the name. It's like a, a banquet room. And we got fans. We got boosters. We got family. We got friends. We got cheerleaders. We got other athletes. We got food out. We got everything. We got outfits. You know what I mean? So we're all ready to go. We're sitting around. You know, the cameras are out. You know, CBS, people have their, you know, it's, it's 
viewing day. So I think we were all together watching. And this is actually a tough game. Richmond and Davidson, I think it was in the in the conference championship. Who did Richmond play in the in the conference championship? Was it Davidson? I think it was uh, Davidson. Yeah, it was either Davidson or VCU. I forget. Right, I'm pretty sure it was Davidson. I remember okay. that was a big game for us because I want to say if Davidson won, they were probably gonna they were assumed to have won that conference championship. So we we would pretty much be safe. You know what I mean? You're pulling for Davidson in that game for sure. Davidson. I've been and I've, I've, I haven't been a Davidson fan like it that. It was Dave, it was Davidson by the right. way. Don't, like, don't need a damn bid stealer here. Right, you know what I mean. So we're we're watching that and then Richmond steals it. So now it's kind of like ah, you know what I mean. And I think our guys. Because the consensus consensus opinion all year was that we're gonna make the tournament. Wyoming's gonna make it. So I think our guys, I mean, my guys on my team were pretty confident. You know what I mean? You know, I had one of my players kind of walked off like, man, they wouldn't have us do all this and we don't make it. And I'm like, oh, I've seen some things happen before. Now, granted, I've never been in this situation, but I've seen. So we're sitting around, we're kind of waiting. And I mean, they're listing off seeds, nine seeds, such and such, eight seeds, such and such. And the, and the teams that were like nine seeds, 11 seeds, they're teams that I'm thinking are going to be like fives and sixes. So I'm like, oh, this is going to be tough. And then I forget what happened. And I remember looking at the screen and it goes, Indiana says Indiana's in. And it shows who they're playing next. And it, boom, boom. And it says such and such, Wyoming. And I'm kind of thinking, oh, and boom, the room blows up. You know what I mean? <laughs> you just pop. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's us. There we go. So, uh. I think it was – I think I there's a video somewhere. Me and our weightlifting coach, Jimmy Edel, Jimmy and I had a – shared a big hug. And, um, you know, when you're a player, you have certain moments that, you know, you'll remember forever. And when you're a coach, you'll have certain moments forever. And um, whether it's a self-individual accomplishment, whether it's a team deal, you know, you have these, these moments. And um, I think in that moment for so many different people, that moment meant so many – things you know what i mean like i mean and i can only speak for me like in my case you know leaving Long Beach state which is 20 minutes from where i grew up from you know what i mean or 10 minutes from where i grew up from you know coming all the way to laramie wyoming you know to a team that i was told when i took the job we're rebuilding we're gonna try to be you know we're working our way up it's gonna be a while you know what i mean to to all the highs and lows of the season you know what i mean to beating colorado state at home you know to, to getting ranked to losing to new mexico on the pit right when you get ranked to you know losing that game in the conference tournament to boise like there's so many highs and lows and then you get to selection sunday and it's literally another highs and lows days as far as like the richmond davison game you know what i mean you got these games with you know indiana making a late push in the bit in that in their conference tournament that that pushed them in you know what i mean um so then, then when that moment hits, you know, like our strength coach, Jimmy, man, he's one of the I this all the time, like besides Coach Linder and obviously Coach Deweese, Coach Weeks. I mean, everybody plays a part, but Coach Jimmy is probably one of the most important people in this program. You know, I think from a strength and conditioning standpoint, he's unreal. I'm not going to get into all of that part. He's unreal when it comes to that part. But as a person for our guys, you know, he plays such a big part for them. So for me, you would think in that moment, you know what I mean, my first NCAA tournament deal um, – it was a big deal for me, but like when I hugged Jimmy, man, like I squeezed him so tight because for me in that moment, like I felt happy for him, felt happy for my guys because he, a lot of these guys, like a guy like Jeremiah Oden came into college as a twig, you know what I mean? And Jeremiah in turn is, is a perennial power, is a perennial four now, three, four man in our league. And he's one of the better four, three, four guys in our league. And I know how much work he and Jimmy have done way before I even got here. You know what I mean? So when you see these people in these moments, man, just somebody like Jimmy, I can speak, who was directly next to me, man. I felt how he felt in that moment. I can imagine how everybody else in that room of 300 to 1,000 people, I don't know how many people were there, felt that. It was um, 
it's a feeling that I refuse to not feel for at least the next 20, 30 years. You know what I mean? Like I, 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 in my, in my hopes and my prayers, like I get that feeling once a year because it was unreal. And, you know, seeing these guys get something that they work for you grow up watching Chris Paul and NCAA tournament playing NCAA March Madness, the video game, you know, you watch JJ Reddick, you watch Emma for debt, you know what I mean? You watch Adam Morrison cry. And then you see you're, you're, you're in the same game 20 years, 15 years, 17 years later, it's unreal. It's on, un, you know what I mean? I got my dad and my grandpa courtside at the NCAA tournament game. You know what I mean? It's some things that you just can't really explain. You just got to live it and, you know, be thankful and be grateful for it. You know, I'm blessed, man. I say we're all blessed and hopefully those blessings continue and, you know, we'll see what happens from there. But that day is a day that I wish everybody can feel at some point. That's awesome, man. That was in depth. The, the, the picture that you painted just now was, it was almost like we felt like we were in the room as well. Um, how much time did you guys allow yourself to enjoy that moment before you're like, well, damn, we're in the playing game. It's not like we're playing Friday at 9 PM, right? We're one of the first four games that's, that's getting to be so played here against Indiana. Saturday, did we play on a Tuesday. I can't think of what day we played. I want to say we, we can, played on. We can pop that up. Yeah. For, but, but anyways, I can remember this. I remember, boom, everybody going crazy. You know, we're hugging, we're hugging, we're hugging. And they're like, Dayton, Ohio. We hear Dayton, Ohio. And I remember we're kind of all doing our thing and it's a quick, okay, you guys got to go pack and uh, everybody be in the office. We got to get this scout stuff put together. Let's get yeah, this. Together. It was Tuesday. Yeah. So you literally Tuesday. had 48 oh, hours. If that yeah. oh, Sunday night, man, coach Deweese, man, hell of an assistant coach Deweese is going to be a great division one head coach one day. He, um he, he put the scout together really fast. You know what I mean? He probably stayed up probably for the next, probably didn't go to sleep prior to, until we played. And if we're being honest, you know what I mean? Um, Put a scout together, Coach Linder, you know, the rest of staff, Vannevar, Wicks, everybody, you know, they put it, put a plan together. And we went out there on that floor with, like I said, on Tuesday morning, we're on a flight Monday going out to Dayton. And, and next thing you know, boom, we're on the floor playing against probably one of the biggest programs in college basketball. You know what I mean? Like that was the other thing that that really didn't hit me. I can't speak for everybody else. I can always only speak for me. It didn't really hit me until layup lines. You know, you see Indiana come out in those specific warm-ups, you know, the pants that they wear. And then I'm realizing, you know, like, damn, Dayton, Ohio isn't far from Bloomington, Indiana. There's a, this is the, there's no there's not much brown and gold in here. This is a lot of uh cream and maroon, whatever crimson, whatever color they are, you know what I mean? Um and then I'm, I'm like thinking, like, okay, this is Indiana basketball versus Wyoming basketball in the first round of the NCAA tournament, you know, and it kind of hit me like, yeah, this is a moment that probably you won't understand until you leave this venue. But in that moment in layup lines, it hit me like, okay, this is, this is going to be a special night for us one way or another. You know what I mean? And uh, obviously it didn't work the way we wanted. And um, we had plenty of opportunities to win that game, but you know, they're a really good team. Well coached, really good players. And you know, it goes the way it goes. It's a, it's a head to tails coin flip every time that ball gets tossed up by the referee and we were on the bad end of it. But in grand scheme of things, I think our guys, feel that every day. So, you know, I do. And I think our coaching staff does. And for a program that's on the incline, you know, and a coaching coach like Coach Linder, who is just getting his feet wet in terms of how far I think he's going to be in terms of a coach one day, I think Coach Linder is going to go down as one of the greatest ever. Um, I think it was a great experience for everybody. And I think it is just a start for hopefully for everybody involved. So not to harp on that game too much, obviously, because it didn't go the way that you guys were hoping. Yeah. But was there anything that was surprising about your team, about Indiana, about any of the performances in that game that struck you as, you know, took took you off guard or um, anything that surprised you about that game that maybe wasn't how the team had played throughout the year? 
I mean, you grow up, you know, I played AAU ball for Comp and Magic Adidas program. So we played a national schedule. My high school team played a national schedule. So I remember going to different parts of the countries and playing against different styles. You know, you go to every 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 coast, every every region has a different play style. And, you know, you play Big Ten, Big Ten basketball, like that's big boy basketball. And I mean, those kids are strong. And I think we were such a physical team last season. I mean, we led college basketball and fouls drawn the first probably like three, four months of the season. It was so physical with Grammy, Cam Maldonado and our guys like Brennan Winslow, Jeremiah, and, and, you know, we're a physical team. I think that it ended up at some point during our season, during the regular season, it kind of worked against us a little bit, you know, in terms of offensive fouls, you know, not getting the same things. And that's just how the game goes. You know, there's no, not, not saying that we were getting, you know, you know, it's even fair, but things change. But going into that game against Indiana, when you see, when you're seeing the the physicality in the post. I mean, I'm watching Grand Meekay and, Trey, and I think Trace David Jackson. I'm watching those dudes just they're banging in the post. And I'm watching Hunter Maldonado in the post with those guys. And you know, we're used to guys kind of taking that in the chest and falling in, you know, in the last three weeks of league, last month of league, because you square up, that's the call. You know, they, they square up and take it. I mean, those guys are in Indiana, they don't want the charge. Like they're squaring up, they're fighting you in the chest, you know, they're running through screens, they're setting real screens. And I think I think the best thing for me seeing that is that our guys were way more prepared than that than I thought. Now, granted, the the result doesn't show, but we fought like we were physical with them. Now, there was times where they were more physical than us. And that's the reason why the lead ended up spreading to six, eight, nine points. But it was a two possession game for most of the game because we were we were that's who we were to start the season. And we kind of like let off of that a little bit because of, you know, you got to adjust the way the game is getting called, the way it's getting played. But I think once we were able to find our rhythm in terms of like, this is how we play, you know, Coach Leonard teaches physicality, you know, we we take pride in that. And so once we caught on, you know, it was a little too little too late, but I think it worked in our favor. And I think seeing that, seeing that level of basketball and seeing how close we were was a good sign. I think that was the biggest thing was the level of physicality. Just reminded me a little bit, you know, like that weight room matters and that, that, that food matters, you know, those guys are taking that serious. So it was good to see, man. I, I, I think it was a blessing in disguise when we, when we come back this time next year, hopefully. And, you know, if it's not, then when 10 years from now, two years from now, one day it'll come back and pay us a favor. So I'm no, I'm, I'm all good with that. No, it was a very competitive game. I remember watching that, and the biggest right. thing that stood out was the physicality from both teams. Right. Uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun to watch, and look, it, it could be 2 nothing. It was the start of the tournament. For guys like us, I'm ready to get dive into the NCAA tournament games. And so, Mark, at, at the risk of being a pain in the ass, I do want to dive into that game a little bit more because you know right. we don't have a ton of coaches on the sidelines coming up. Oh, yeah, man. I, I have no bitter feelings towards yeah, any losses I, loss <laughs> I ever took end up there working were, out in my favor, so we'll be okay. There were a lot of cool moments and, and interesting moments that I want to get your feedback on. First and foremost, uh, Coach Linder got a tech, and he got a tech for talking to one of your, your guys' own players. So in the moment right there, right, I mean, you're, you're in a high state, you're in a do-or-die game, um, and then the ref comes in and, quite honestly, gives some nonsense like that when you're talking to your own guy. What's the? Did you see anything from Coach Linder about how he needs to sort of, all right, let me just – regroup show some leadership here so that the rest of the guys don't go you know sort of haywire was it like this is bullshit man let's let's fire up the troops here i mean i mean take us inside that moment if you need to i think i think for us in that moment like you'd be crazy to think you're not coming i mean it's a road game essentially right you'd you'd be crazy to think that things are just going to go how you want first of all secondly like we miss free throws that we shouldn't have missed that hurt us. The referee kind of made a mistake. You know, it's no bad intentions. Like we don't, I think that we 
there's one thing that we're prepared for is like in practice, we, we, we get tricky with the whistle in practice on purpose. You know what I mean? To prepare these guys, you know, we might call a physical one some days we might ticky tack the next day. So, I mean, it happens, you know, was it, was it the right call, wrong call, whatever, you know what I mean? I think in that moment, it was so early in the game. It's easy to kind of, it's easy for a team. And this is where I've learned from coach Leonard as a coach a little bit is that even as a player, when I was in college, that moment probably would have took me a little bit further left than it needed to and drew too much attention from me. And I probably would have focused on it a little longer. I think being around him, it's kind of helped me. And I think these guys are more prepared than I was in college for like, expect the worst, man. Like if you, if you, if you don't want the referees to be involved, be up 10, you know what I mean? And, and you know, so I, I, it didn't get to us that much. You know, I think we've had worse moments than that during the season. We know where some things kind of didn't work in our favor. I mean, it definitely, definitely, definitely played a, a big role in a run, but it comes with the territory, man. Like I said, if we there's a couple of free throws and open shots and, and turnovers we made that it, that were that call that technical foul doesn't even come into play if we handle our situation. So it comes with the territory. I think, um, yeah, it, it was a tricky situation at the time, but I think we blew past it pretty quick. That's actually funny you remember that though. Oh yeah, man. I was re-watching that game actually. And I'll tell you what, you're nothing if not accountable. Good for you. But I was rip shit for you guys. You know, as a fan, just sitting on the couch. It, Again, you're saying all the right things. This is probably the embodiment of what's going to be a great coach in the future. But I'm like, sometimes these refs are so inconsistent, especially in the college hoops game. And so that kind of stuck in my craw. I was interested about that. Now, getting to the actual players itself, Taylor had brought up some of your some of the items that you may have been surprised about. I know sitting on the couch, I was surprised about Indiana's uh, Jordan Geronimo's performance. I think he had 15 points. I did not see that coming. When you're scouting these guys, did that kind of shock you at all? Being like, damn, how did Jordan Geronimo have this it's type of so impact? funny because while most people, you know, people from back home, you know, everybody, it's funny. I, I have so many ba- basketball friends. I call them basketball friends, people that I talk to when it comes to basketball stuff. And my side coaches, some of my boys back home, I yeah, call them my side coaches because they coach our, they let them, they think they coach our team better than we do. You know what I mean? So, They'll call me and, you know, one of my guys, one of my friends, man, he actually called me for the game and was like, I, I don't I don't think Geronimo was playing. He was hurt prior to that game. He had a knee injury. And, you know, we were kind of we didn't know. And, you know, Coach DeWeese actually brought it up in film. Like if he plays like there's one thing you're going to have to match is his energy and his motor. Like if there's one thing we know, injury, no injury. Now, in terms of him making some open shots and things, he hit some big two big threes. I think that game that kind of hurt us. I mean, that comes with the territory. You kind of got to guard guys the best way that you think you should guard them and it didn't work in our favor that game. And we played the numbers a little bit, but um, he was a monster, man. Like that kid brought the energy for his team, you know? And I think for a guy like him who, you know, some people might say he likes certain things. I think with his size and his motor, he showed that he can affect the game. And that's the number one thing with basketball. So credit to him, man. He, he brought the energy he had some putbacks, a couple of tip dunks that changed the momentum of the game. You know, he um, hit some big threes and he played good defense and, you know, when you go play on that stage, you know, in March and as you know, with any team, there's always a guy usually in those games who step up that people probably didn't expect. It's probably not the first guy, or the second guy, because they've been scouted out and they're seeing the best defenders and coverages. It's usually like the third or fourth guy on the team and usually go down the line to maybe even the eighth, ninth guy who step up and make plays. And that's the benefit that I think another thing that I saw with them. And with a lot of teams we played last season, is just like depth matters. That's why I said with our team this year, having these new guys coming in, like, you know, you, you hope that, you know, your eighth, ninth guy is ready to go play because you might need them. Injuries happen, foul troubles happen, you know, rhythm happens, mismatches come about to where, you know, you should be able to rely on your eighth, ninth guy to come in on that stage and be able to make a play. And Geronimo stepped up, and I hope, you know, when it's our turn, our guys step up, and it, it, it just all comes back full circle, man. But that kid, uh, 
he he surprised me. He shocked me. I, I told somebody today, like, I'll be watching him in college basketball this year because he has a chance, man. That kid is a special dude. Definitely. And pivoting to some of your guys, right, on Wyoming, Hunter Maldonado, marvelous season all year. And honestly, I think he led the team in, in points that game as well. But he also had 10 turnovers, which we know is very, very uncharacteristic of him. Can you tell us a little bit about how Hunter was feeling after that game and how he's sort of taken that into this offseason to fuel him? Because I think you had also mentioned like that memory of that last game. You know, that's kind of playing in your guys' head. I'm curious to know about Hunter specifically. You know, I asked somebody, somebody asked me this the other day, you know, um, how did Marto feel about that game? And I said, well, he's back. Like, came back to college. He didn't have to come back. Like there's a guy, I mean, he averaged, what, 19-9, 18-9 or whatever he did. He didn't have to come back. He came back um, because he's much better than that. Now, you know what I mean? Like as, as little as people understand, if you really watch that game, yeah, he had a, he probably led us in points and led us with 10 turnovers. He also was probably the second best player on the floor that night, you know what I mean, even with the mistakes, you know. So if he cleans it up, I mean, people don't understand, like, Mardo had the highest usage rate probably in college basketball last year. You know, he averaged 35-plus minutes a game. You know, he carried the low for us. I can think of games at Grand Canyon, Washington, games at, against Colorado State, games against, you know, New Mexico, where, like, if Maldonado doesn't play as well as he did, we don't even get to see that game. So from the outside person looking in, it's easy to criticize him. Like, we don't make it without that dude. That dude carried us for the majority of the season, you know what I mean? So I think for him, you know, it was a different game. Marto has been all year, had been beating guys with power and things like that. And I think that game was a game where if you really watch, they couldn't keep him in front of him face to face in the basket, you know what I mean? There was a lot of moves he made downhill. He just didn't make the correct read to get out of it. And it comes with the territory, man. Like Peyton Manning's thrown three interceptions in the playoffs before and people want to criticize him, criticize him. He's still Peyton Manning. You know what right. I mean? Like Maldo, I'm going to I'm I, he can take and be my quarterback any day of the week. I'm taking that kid over 99.9% of guys in college basketball. And I I think it was so easy for our guys to walk away that game and say, well, if Mardo played like that and we only lost by so many points and like, as far as he's taking us, we're so okay with that. And um, we're looking forward to it, man. I, I I love that dude. He's a, he's the definition of how you would want a quarterback to be for a program. You know, I keep, I don't really say point guard because he doesn't have that approach like Mardo. I mean, he knows everything. He knows how this should be, how that should be, who should be where, you know, he's never been late for a meeting. He's never, we probably have never had any coaching issues with him. He's a, He's getting his MBA right now academically. Like Maldo is a is a special dude, man. He's unlike most college kids. So, you know, we'll go to war with him. And he'll if he takes us back there and has the same thing, we're all good again. You know, Maldo got us. So we're all good with Maldo. And um, you know, it's okay. He lives and learn first time on that scene, he'll be just fine. Hundred percent. Taylor, just real quick. Sorry, man. Yeah, ahead, I, his 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 standard is so incredibly high that Twitter fingers, everyone's like, Oh, did Hunter Maldonado have that great of a game? And you're like, well, yeah, actually, if you watched it, he was really strong. He he did really well, but because his standard's so high, right. you know, you kind of just it, it's you're a little jaded on how well he actually yeah, like if he play. if he plays if he plays better, you know what I mean, and he wills it to that win, he probably is a guy who might get his name called, you know what I mean, and he doesn't come back to school. So he, he had his moment. He'll have another moment, and he's he capitalized probably on twenty out of twenty one moments this year, and technically he capitalized. Then he'll have him back, man. Like that kid is he didn't waver. He, he felt it heavy for about two or three days. You know, it's easy for public perception to tell you what you're not doing. But those same people who told you, you know, you fumbled the ball that game were the same people who, when you go make the last eight points at GCU or do what you do against Colorado State, were the same people who were voting you for the Namesmith Player of the Year. You know what I mean? So we'll be okay. We'll be just fine. So so when you have a guy like Hunter Maldonado who's going into his, is this his sixth year coming up? 
yeah. <laughs> which is which is awesome, right? Yeah. I think he turns twenty four uh, this year, I guess. Or in this season, right? But you you have a pretty uh, you know experienced team as a whole now. So how much impact or how much influence mm-hmm. does someone like Hunter Maldonado or some of the older guys have, like on the coaching in the sense of are they coming to you saying, hey coach, hey you know, hey coach Raj, hey. Hey, Coach Linder, here's what I think we should do in this upcoming game. That's got to be a very a cool relationship to have with your players that are that experienced. I think just from a feel standpoint, more so than asking doing. Like, you know, if you feel if you if you see something out there on that floor model, like I'm sure if you go test it out and, you know, you want to throw a little wrinkle in there. Coach Linder, like I said, he has the creativity that you can get anything done if you have an idea for him and you see something, you know, if it makes sense to him, he can put it together. I think guy in terms of Maldo, there are certain reads that we might in a normal situation have to bring up and certain corrections we might have to bring up. He might just go do it on his own to the point where you don't have to say anything. Same like, like Graham E.K. Graham E.K. is one of the most cerebral break big men in college basketball. I mean, that dude, you could talk basketball with that guy and it will throw you off. I mean, there's NBA point guards who don't understand basketball and understand the NBA language like he does. He gets it. You know what I mean? So having those guys, you know, like I said, Max Max and Jake and Ethan coming in, Brendan Wenzel, you know, Jeremiah Oden, these guys, Xavier Dussel, you know, they, they're all 20 plus now almost at this point. You know what I mean? So more so than anything else, the coaching themselves to be competitive, I think has been the number one thing with having these guys being older guys. Like I watch these practices, some of these workouts this summer. I mean, we don't have to, if there's one thing we, for the most part, we haven't had to ask is for these dudes to compete. And I think, from a maturity standpoint, they understand the level that you have to compete at to even have a chance at the games that we think and hope that we can play in in you know, February, March. And, you know, when you got to go play New Mexico at the pit, you know, you got to have a certain level of intensity. When you got to go to beat Air Force at Air Force, which some people might think is just a walk game, like, no, Air Force is a good team and they got a good system. They'll catch you. You know what I mean? We were a, a hundred modern auto game winner away that game and his whatever, how many points he had from, you know, slipping that one up. So, I think there's a level of intensity and understanding that has to be met every day. And when you have a mature team, you don't really have to beg them for that. That's the part that comes with it. So then you could just focus on the schematics and the X and O stuff. So I think that's been the number one thing I've noticed with having this older team and these older guys is that Hunter Maldonado, he's not going to settle for guys being lazy at practice that day. You know what I mean? Grammy K will, will, will rip somebody if he feels like they're, you know, they're taking a playoff. So I think that's the benefit of it. And I think having a guy like Ethan Anderson come in and bring like a silent killer you know what i mean and you got guys like noah reynolds on our team who's a younger guy who noah is more mature than your average sophomore college basketball like noah is cut right you know what i mean he brings it every day he knows what the what the standard is around here and so we're in a we're in a good situation i think in terms of that aspect and we'll see how it plays out but i think from a maturity standpoint the competitiveness is what i think is the biggest benefit and what i've noticed with these guys so far i mean the mountain west we're theater in college hoops that was the conference that produced the most theater, in my opinion, last year. Whether it's the aspect of staying up late, right, watching these late-night games, these overtime games, awesome venues, great finishes. I mean, you had two – I'm surprised you haven't mentioned the two games you beat uh, Utah State in. The, those Utah Man. State games were bananas. I remember that's those. A, that's, a, those are, that's what I'm saying when I say in the aspect of it's easy to say what somebody didn't get do, do in one game. I mean, Hunter Maldonado at our place – was you know really good with Graham E.K. against Utah State. Graham E.K. was a was a left elbow rip and a layup away from us not winning that game. And arguing, you know, Grand Canyon, great environment, Colorado State, great environment, Boise. That we played some great environments this year. Utah State is up there and it might be number one as far as the loudest place to play. You know, what I mean, they got a good team. You know, Richard Woodward. I mean, no, I'm sorry, 
Justin Bean and those guys, you know, they 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 get it and they play the right way and they got a great system. And Coach Odom's a great coach. So going up there to win those games, like we didn't take those games lightly at all. You know what I mean? Like I said, you can lose to Utah, Utah State. You can lose to Air Force. You know what I mean? And those teams beat other high level teams in our league at a certain point throughout the year. So, yeah, it's funny that I didn't bring that name up there. We had some we had we probably had about 20 games within four to seven points last year. So yeah, everyone was a nail biter at some point. So I'm, I'm trying to figure out where my blood pressure is going, bringing up some of these. But we'll be OK. I mean, Taryn brought it up. Uh, I think I think the Mountain West might be my favorite conference to watch simply because right. not only am I a college basketball degenerate, I'm a sports gambling degenerate as well. Um, my sister is a Boise State alum, unfortunately. So yeah, I'm. I think we're very tuned in here, and I live in Arizona, yeah. so you know, yeah, you know, I'm on, I'm on the coast over here, or on right. the west side. So yeah, right. Yeah, no, I mean the Mountain West, man. This is what I tell people all the time in terms of high level basketball competitive basketball and great college basketball environments. You know what I mean? The mountain West is better than most. And what I mean by that is like Mexico had a down year last year. You could say Pitt was amazing when we went to play their environment. was amazing. Utah state was amazing. when We went to play the last year air force. I mean, whether you think you go, you're going to that place is loud. You know what I mean? Um, UNLV, when we played them, I mean, they got us at their place. We obviously came back and got them on their home floor in the conference tournament, but Boise great. You know, the experiences that these kids are getting in these games is a real college experience. And I think at some higher levels, you know, you go to some power five schools where yes, it's a power five. They're not getting any attendance. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not the greatest environment. You know what I mean? We get real road, real game, real home game environments. And I think that was another reason why we were comfortable when we went to Dayton had to play against Indiana because, you know, we had to go play at Grand Canyon non-conference. We had to go play at Utah State. You know what I mean? We've been in these situations with Colorado State. So I think the Mountain West prepares you for a lot, and I think the conference is one of the best conference in college basketball, and I think people are starting to notice more and more, and I think this year it'll be just as good, if not better. I think that people are just sleeping on some of these teams, and obviously San Diego State and us have most of the hype right now, but Colorado State will be great. Boise will be great. New Mexico will be, I think they're going to be much better than people think. I think Nevada is going to be really good. You know what I mean? I think people are sleeping on some of these teams, UNLV as well. I mean, UNLV went and got a great class. You know what I mean? So I think the Mountain West is going to be competitive just like it was last year. It's going to be a war. It's going to be physical. And um, you just don't know. You just don't know. I mean, you didn't think that we were going to be third, fourth last year. You know, nobody predicted to be that. You know, Boise ran through the tournament and got the regular season crown. So you got to give them their respect. It's technically theirs until somebody comes gets it. And as we all know, San Diego State has been the, the the lead horse in this business, in this league for a while. So it's a lot of different storylines that come with it. And, you know, we're going to make our push and do what we can. But, you know, the Mountain West is definitely special and I'm, I'm happy to be able to compete in it. So following up on that and kind of going back to, I guess, a little bit of recruiting questions, but, you know, you're recruiting a lot of the same players that like, say, a Washington State and Oregon State, uh, some schools like that, who I don't want to say that you were calling those schools out specifically. I won't put those two together, but they don't exactly have the best home court environments in the world. Right. And then with kind of this new news that we don't really all know how it's going to turn out with Pac-12 maybe falling apart, Mountain West right. might be the only West Coast conference that has any real major implications i mean do you guys kind of monitor that and be like hey we're good right now we're on the come up and this might be our time to really shoot forward because everything's crumbling around us and we're having our best seasons with the most hype we've ever had i think if you look at it i think you if you really look at it it's easy to get caught up in that but i think if you really just get realistic and look at it you realize like you have no control of that 
Like we could end up in the Big Ten, Big Twelve, Mountain West, Big West Conference USA. We can end up anywhere next week. And it, college basketball, I mean, college sports have been telling us that you can expect the unexpected. So with that being said, I think for us, it's just not so much running up the Mountain West and climbing our ranks. I think it's just be our best self, like be the best Wyoming can be. You know what I mean? Like there's certain things Wyoming will never be. There's certain things that some people can never get to in terms of who Wyoming is. I think just being ourselves and being what we can be and seeing what we can make this place. And, you know, we got great guys who are helped building this program. And like I said, and Coach Linder's big on this. And like I said, too, like our players move the mountains, man. Like without them, we don't we don't get this notoriety, this success. And, you know, they've got a great staff with these guys that they've had here before me and the guys that they brought in. And um, I think in terms of how far we can go and in terms of what this place can be, you have to respect it. So we'll see where it goes from there. You mentioned this a little bit last year. You were picked to finish eighth, I think. I think that was the preseason expectation was to finish eighth in the Mountain West. And obviously, you get an at-large bid to the tournament and you had a wonderful season. The mindset now, if I'm looking at your roster, is, damn, these guys not only have majority of their horses back, but they added those three transfers as well, right? Can you take us through the dichotomy or what's the difference between last season or last off season, the mindset in the locker room versus what it is today? Um, well, my boss, our head coach has the biggest chip on his shoulder. So we still are predicted to be in eighth, ninth place. Let him tell it right now. You know what I mean? And I think that's the mentality amongst everybody around here, man. Like we, like, I mean, if whether we, you know, we, there's some guys on our team who feel disrespected that we were a first four team. So we'll, we'll find new motivations and things to humble us a little bit. I mean, when it's said and done, we didn't win a conference championship last year, regular season or a conference tournament. So no matter if we finish fourth or third, instead of finish eighth or ninth, we still didn't do what we could have done, which was win a title in the regular season or the conference tournament. So I think, you know, you don't really fight for third or fourth in, in league. You don't really come looking for that. There's no rewards for that. You know, you come to win the league and anything short of that is just, you know, you get a little pat on the back from other people. But when you go back into the offices in April, it doesn't really add up or mean anything. You know what I mean? So I think our goal is to win that conference championship. And I think our goal was that last year. You know, personally, when I came in, like we were predicted eighth by, by the public, like we came in, let's win this game. And then let's win this game. And then you know who who knows how the domino chips, will, you know, how they line. You know what I mean? But I think just being our best selves and, you know, keeping that chip on our shoulder that, like I said, my boss carries every day and, you know, it carries down to the guys and the staff. And, you know, you have to have some humility with that and understand that same way we were predicted to be eighth and finish third or fourth or whatever last year, the same way we could be finished first, predicted first, second, third this year and finish as low as ninth. You know what I mean? So you got to take it with a grain of salt and predictions or predictions rosters are on paper they're not they don't determine the outcomes of wins and losses you know what i mean rosters are just what comes out when the box score comes out so until you put some wins together and put some things together you're just just a story so we don't want to be just a story we got to put some product to some production to it so we'll see how it goes i mean put it on the bulletin board but lunardi only has you as the first four or last four in again this right. coming season yeah, yeah. And I, which I, is I, absurd I, by the way i, I saw that i saw that man and like if there's one thing like i said i could you learn things man if there's one thing that i think going into this season that i won't do that i was so caught up in last year is keep up on stuff like that because i mean on literally on selection sunday night yahoo had us as a seven seed so you know what i mean it's so many different things that come about or whatever seed they had so it was way maybe it was nine i know it was way higher than last four in so, you know, I think this season and even now, like I'm watching these prediction stuff, like I, I'm, I'm completely going to go out of my way to ignore that stuff this year because it never 
plans and turns out how anybody thinks it will. And you never know, like this is a, a freaky situation in terms of our team, other teams and the outcomes of these. So I think this year I'm tuning that out and I'm going to do my best with that. So I guess I'm not asking you to make a prediction after what you just said, not about the team, but maybe is there a player on the team who's someone that's going to have a breakout year potentially this year? Is it, is it, uh, you know, is Graham EK going to have an incredible year that he's going to be a nationally known player? Or is there someone that you could pick out for our listeners to say like, Hey, keep your eye on this guy. Cause if you don't know him now, you will know him by this time next year. I just think guys will reveal different things. I don't want to pick a specific player. I think you'll see different things from from guys that you didn't see in their game last year, see changes and modifications in their games that you'll see where it helps our team win games. Like you might see a different Hunter model next season. You know what I mean? And that might be better in terms of numbers and statistics. That might be worse. But you're going to see a different element in him in terms of how he can score now in transition because he doesn't have to be on the ball all game and how he looks when you can tell Hunter focus on just scoring, you know what I mean, and playing downhill because we have other guards in Noah Reynolds, Xavier Ducell, Ethan Anderson that can play on the ball. I think when you watch a guy like Grammy K, you see Grammy K, people don't know. Grammy K can shoot the basketball, man. You're going to see him make some jump shots this year. You know what I mean? I think – just different things like Brennan Wenzel. Brennan Wenzel might be one of the best glue guys in college basketball if he stays on the pace and the plan that he's on right now. You know what I mean? He's a he's a great guy and he's a great player and he's playing hard and he's 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 figuring out the defensive end and he has a goal right now defensively that he's showing us every day. And you know, you get a guy like Jake Kyman, you know, you want to see Jake. Jake's known as just a shooter. You know, you're going to see a little bit more than Jake just shooting the ball this year. You know, Jake has a has a great ability to to pass and a great feel and actually a great handle. Seeing a guy like Max Agamopolo, who had high moments and low moments at USC, see him come in and, you know, do some things from the wing spot and from the four spot that you might not have saw him do before. And a guy like Jeremiah Oden, you know, who just adding to his game and, you know, becoming a, a well-rounded player on the perimeter and on the block. You know, I think just seeing different things from different guys, I don't want to say a specific thing from one person. I think you'll see a different dynamic in everyone's game this year that we didn't have last year that you'll see the modifications and why Coach Linder and DeWeese and Wicks and Vanderbilt and those guys, why they're such good coaches is because they can tweak the team into things that what makes us better. And I think you'll see that this year and you'll be like, wow, these guys are playing a totally different way. And I think from that aspect, I don't know who will give you something new to be excited. I think everybody will show the work that they put in these last few months to add and get better and do things that could put us in a better position to win big time ball games. So taking that team approach, what is Wyoming's MO this upcoming season? What is your brand of basketball? I'm saying, Mark, you're in front of like the Shark Tank guys, right? Mark Cuban, Damon John, Lori Griner, they all just said, yes, I'm buying Wyoming. What are they getting when they buy that? Be real tough. Like the real tough. Not the, not the oh, somebody pushes you on the ground, you get up quick, act like it's going to be a brawl on half court, not the you know, flexing muscles on an and one on a lip, like the real tough, like step up, take that charge, like be one of the highest efficiency teams in terms of offensive rebounding. You know what I mean? Be on a string, be able to come back from nine oh ten oh runs because we've been through this before. You know what I mean? Be able to deal with the with the a whistle that you think might not be going your way. You know what I mean? Be able to to, you know, you might go on a run where you're up nine, 10 points, be able to not get greedy and not get cocky and be able to stay humble and keep that punch and go get a good shot, go get a great shot, not a good shot. You know what I mean? I think being real tough, I think Coach Linder makes it clear to those guys, like I'm not going to war with guys who I don't feel are really tough, not the fake tough. You know what I mean? We got to go to Bloomington, Indiana and go deal with a Geronimo. Can you handle that? You know what I mean? Can you go deal with the Matt Bradley, who's trying to go get paid a lot of money to go play money in San Diego and go go bang with Nate Mintz in that post. You know what I mean? You got, you know, we, last year we had David Roddy, but you got guys who 
you got to bring your you got to bring your stuff more than your game. You got to bring your stuff. You know what I mean? You got to bring you got to be tough. And I think that's what I think we'll hang our hat on with our depth and our talent. I think in our coach staff and his coach Leonard schematics and things like that from a basketball standpoint, I think we'll be fine. I think if we're really tough, I think you'll see the benefit of having 10 to 15 guys that could really play because on any night you could rotate them in, sub them in, sub them out because they're all giving their maximum effort. And I think that will show the biggest value in having all these guys. And I think that'll be great. I'm excited, man. I'm, I'm, I'm just so excited for this Wyoming team upcoming and, and, and the rest of the mountain West, but Hey, Mark, we're going to get you out of here on some quick hitters. Okay. What's the toughest environment to play in? You mentioned some of those road games. You mentioned Air Force. You mentioned Utah State. Give us the toughest road environment. doesn't have to be in Not conference with? either. Okay. <sighs> okay. I'm a, I, can, I, can, I, can I add some modifications to this? Oh, yeah. Okay. Specific situations. You go undefeated into a game against Arizona in a year in which people are predicting them to be national champions. You're going to find out what a real crowd feels like and what, what history feels like. Hey man, I, I, I got a feeling you're pandering to us. You either did some research on us or this is just a coincidence. We're Arizona guys. No. Okay. I didn't know that. Um, that we appreciate that. The Kale Center is a real place. I want to apologize. I want you guys to apologize to me for that butt whooping you guys gave us up there this year. But um, no, um, at Arizona was real. I mean, you know, you go see a guy, you go play against the top 15 pick, Ben Matherin and, you know, Coach Lloyd in his first year there. And, you know, they were undefeated. We were undefeated. People were trying to figure out how real are they. People were trying to figure out how real is Arizona. You know, you came to that stories and uh, we met them and uh, that home crowd, they came out, they supported, they, that was a different place. You know what I mean? And so I think Arizona is up there in terms of that specific moment. I don't know if we were both, if we weren't both undefeated in that moment, would it have been that way? But that day now in terms of noise, noise, it's not all real noise. It's a lot of anime noise. Grand Canyon is the loudest place in college basketball that I've been so far. I mean, they have this techno music that plays and booms, booms, and you're in the timeout and the floor is bouncing. And, and I just like, man, this is, it's, so annoying it's the most it's just so annoying because it's this techno music and they're just getting through it and the crowd is loud too they got great student support and things like that and it's kind of a smaller arena so grand canyon is the loudest and then in terms of just i think like good fans to me like good fans or fans who understand the game like they understand bad foul calls good foul calls they understand the flow of the game they understand good hustle plays they understand momentum i think utah i mean Utah State is really impressive. I think Utah State is really impressive. So I say those are that would be four through two, four, three, and two. I don't know how you want to put them. I mean, obviously, number one, man, you got to come to 7220, man. Wyoming's best place in the country, man. I I I really think like when people come out here and they they deal with this altitude and they come hear these fans and they say, it's I could imagine if I was a player having to come out here and play on this floor when these dudes get like this. You know what I mean? I'm gonna put my my fans, our guys first, and um it's a special place out here. And I think we're gonna I think our fans are like I said, everybody when you when you're doing well, you know, everybody kind of gets their pieces and you know, some their credibility for certain things, whether it's the media, whether it's the managers, whether last year our bench was went viral. Our bench was probably more famous than our team, and we were eleven and twelve and two. You know, our bench is getting all the credit. And uh there those guys are great, and you know, people find their identity. And I think this year our crowd with some showcase and stuff, I think our fans and our support, I think Laramie's gonna come step out this year and show people why it's so tough to come up here. So those would be one through five for me. And like I said, I'm putting my guys first. So. Absolutely. And we, we've, a couple of years ago, I said one of the biggest 
keys to a team success is getting the bench mob going. And you definitely right. have that. You definitely have that. Hey, all right, take BCBs, man. Ben Bowen, Court Roberson, Nate Barnhart, John Grigsby, man. Those are my, my bench blue collar boys. That's my bench. Those are my guys. So I just want to say some love to them, man. Those are some of the best kids I've ever been around. So I had to give you their name real quick. That's an A1 nickname for the for the bench mob. I love it. BCBs, yeah. be on the lookout for those guys. They got a t-shirt. Some of them aren't here anymore. You know, they kind of split and did their things for better benefits for themselves basketball-wise, which is the benefit of having a good season. But they they got some t-shirts for sale, man. You got to – I still wear mine. You know, those are my guys for life. So, Hey, Taylor, we might need to get our paws on, on those t-shirts, man. Yeah. Um, Mark, take that Adidas hat off real quick. Put your hater hat on. <laughs> what was some of the more boring venues, I guess – all right. You don't have to like call out the specifics of it, but you go into that stadium on a Tuesday night and you're like, there is no juice. I'm tired. <laughs> you know, I'm going to give it, I'm going to do this. You can be diplomatic if you want. I'm going to do this. Where's place, man? What's the, what's the play? I mean, it just depends, man. Like, you know, I, I don't got an answer for you. I don't got an answer for you, man. I, I got a feeling I'm going to hear this in a crowd from somebody. I'm going to get like a beer can or something to the back of the head because somebody's going to say you disrespected us here. I don't know, man. I mean, we play – We I think we play Fresno on a Sunday or a Saturday. I mean, it was pretty It was pretty dull in there. But I've been to Fresno. I'm from California, so I know how their fans can get. They, they show up and show out. I think I can just tell you what was some of our lower games last year. Now, you know, Fresno – it was kind of quiet in there last year. We played them on a bad day. Our game against San Diego State, we we it was kind of a rescheduled COVID makeup game. And I think we played them on a – it might have been a Sunday as well. It was a weird day. It wasn't a normal day, normal time. It was a makeup game for COVID. I mean, we didn't have a good good crowd for that game for the most part, you know what I mean, until late. So I, I don't know which one was the dullest. I know uh, – I know if I didn't know, I wouldn't say it because I, I got to protect myself on these, some of these road games. So, uh, you know, we have. I had to ask, man. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, no, I get it. I, I, I'll blame. I'll, I'll take the blame here. I think we could have did better against San Diego State. How about that? I, I, I'll let my own fans rip me up. What a what a spin zone right there, man. Always finding a way to reignite your own team. I, I love it. You're a, you're a natural coach there, Mark. Hey, I'll get you out of here on this. We end every guest interview with this. Um, it's called bring them up on stage. Okay. Who is someone that you think would enjoy coming on to this show and sharing some stories and being as open as you have been, you've been amazing, Mark, who are some guys that you think or girls you think would really enjoy coming on? Um, you know, I think you should get my entire staff on. I think you should get Sundance Wicks on. I think you should get Ken DeWeese on. I think you should get Sean Vandiver. I think you should get our ops, Tim uh, Flanagan in. Our video coordinator, Jace, you know, our director of recruiting, Coleman. I think uh, even our head coach, if you can get Coach Linder on here, you know, Coach Linder come talk, man. That's the, you know, drop a bomb for Coach Linder. Our weightlifting coach, actually, Jimmy Edel. That's actually who I think you should talk to, man. I think he'd actually have a crazy story and some insights for you that you wouldn't think, you know, because Jimmy's like a coach for us. He's more than just a strength coach. But, you know, I'm going to recommend my guys. And then outside of that, I think. Achoki Moakobu is a good friend of mine. He's a coach at uh, North Texas University. He was at Drake, Sunrise, Christian, Mokana, Leafa Y. He's a good guy. Um, Jeremy Pope, who's an assistant at um, University of Portland, is a good guy. Uh, Jay Morrison, assistant at USC. Chris Capco is USC. Man, I can get into a list of guys, man. I, I think uh, you guys do a good job, and you guys know basketball, so it's easy to talk to. And, um, you know, some people need to get out here and speak to you guys and, you know, you know, push their situation a little bit with their teams and let people know who they are and what they got going. But 
yeah, if I could pick a list, man, I'm going with my guys from top to bottom. So, you know, and like you said, you got Jake Hyman. I'm going to force Jake to get up here with you guys. So don't worry. Jake will do it. He's easy. He probably just didn't even see it. He um, get Jake up here and those guys. But, yeah, man, somebody on the Wyoming staff, somebody else new, give you some stories, see if their stories match up with mine or see if they got some funny ones in me. Hopefully they don't tell you any bad ones. I think I've been all right around here. But, uh, yeah, man, my guys, you just get just reach out to one of my guys. I think that'll give you a story, a good story or two. I'll be sure to do this. And I have to tell everyone that I, I asked for this reference from, I always say, look, I may be tugging on your shirt a little bit to, to connect us. So Mark, you've been absolutely amazing. And yeah, you're doing more than all right in the two years you're at Wyoming, dude, you got it. You got a promotion one year in. So uh, very, very happy for you. And thank you so much for jumping on. Like we said, we're incredibly excited to watch you guys play this upcoming year. I appreciate you guys, man. All right, we want to thank Mark again for jumping onto the program. Some awesome stories, really detailed, paints a great picture of not only the tournament game. I, I also found it awesome that he was able to, I don't know if stick up for is the right word for Hunter Maldonado, but a lot of people, they jump to conclusions and they kind of forget how great Hunter Maldonado really has been the past couple seasons and how integral he is for this Cowboys team. Yeah, he may have played maybe not up to his potential in that Indiana game, but I love the way that Mark was able to really say, look, this guy's a stud. We're nowhere near as good of a team without him. And he's right. He's absolutely right. And I expect huge things from Hunter and also Graham EK, two cornerstones of that Wyoming team that has now the tournament experience that has the fire in their belly after losing to an Indiana. And they have a lot of great support as well coming in with Ethan Anderson, Max Agbon Polo, Josh Kyman. They got Hunter Thompson coming back as well. This is going to be a dangerous Wyoming team, mark my words. So thank you again to Mark for jumping on. Uh, we're going to get out of here, though, on an oldie but a goodie. We haven't done this in a while. We have not done this segment in a little bit. It's Where Am I? Where am I? Where am I? Where am I this week? Okay, who do we have? We got Josh Heitfeldt. You remember him? You guys remember the former big for Gonzaga? Really, really strong player. Part of the building blocks of those great Gonzaga teams where we started to say, okay, these guys aren't necessarily a mid-major anymore. This is starting to become a, a really good, consistent winner. And Josh Heitfeld played a huge role in that. Now, what's Josh Heitfeld up to these days? He is a mortgage loan officer at Beeline Mortgage. And I believe that's based in Liberty Lake, Washington. It's either Beeline Mortgage or Liberty Lake Mortgage. Uh, it is a company that operates in the financial services industry. It employs 101 to 250 people and has a $25 million to $50 million uh, revenue stamp. The company, yes, again, is located in Liberty Lake, Washington. But that is what Josh Heitfeld is up to. He is a mortgage loan officer. And I'm sure with a, a Taylor, real estate guy, uh, the rates going up, shout out to Taylor, check out his Instagram backyard beards with, with Taylor. I'm sure he can do a, uh, a little collaboration maybe with Josh. Talk to us a little bit about the rising interest rates these days, the inflation, all those little buzzwords that mortgage loan officers and real estate agents love to hear. But Josh Heitfeld, where is he? He's a mortgage loan officer, uh, at either Beeline Mortgage or Liberty Lake Mortgage. Those two very well could be all the same. But Josh Heitfeld, 
Uh, good to check up on him. We're going to go ahead and get on out of here, though. I want to send one big thank you again to Mark Rogers for jumping on and sharing a lot of his stories. Uh, and thank you again for listening. We'll catch you next time here on Theater and College Hoops. 